Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast, hosted by Kellen Olson. Uprising Podcast. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. My name is Kellen Olson, your host, joined as always by Jake Anderson. Jake, for the first episode in the history of the Uprising Podcast, we got two matches to talk about, a cup tie. Yeah, quick succession, short week, as they say. We'll start with Dollar Beer Night, where if I was on the promotions club, I would just have Dollar Beer Night every night because they've won 10 in a row. So technically, you'd go undefeated if you just had Dollar Beer Night every night. I don't know about You'd have to have it on the road, too. That would present some hurdles. I saw Sam Dore tweet that Rising are 1-0 on the road during Dollar Beer Night. I'm not (laughs) sure how that works, but... That's what Sam Dorr said. So that's where we're going to start. That was on Friday against Rio Grande Valley. We spent last episode talking about how informed they were, and we were wondering the status of Solomon Asante, if he was going to be back with the team. He was not, uh, but they, they did not need him, which is not something I was ready to say because that's what sort of what I talked about last episode, in fact, thinking that they would really need him. Adam John, two goals, player of the week in, yeah. the, in the USL. He was he had some great finishes, that, that first one, that little touch, that's just some... That's about some, that Panenka? Yeah, on the on the pen as well. And I think the thing that stood out to me the most about this, uh, especially from reading your recap on ArizonaSports.com, is that uh, we had Bacaro in, which is the guy that we've been kind of highlighting the past couple of weeks, ready to see his return, and Lambert in, which had both of them playing in front of James Musa, and Musa was someone that Shantz after the game actually highlighted, and you talked to both of them after the game. Musa said he kind of prefers being in that number six role by himself, and he looked really comfortable in is uh, we've been wondering not have been wondering but I've kind of been wondering who is that third midfielder because it seems like Bacaro and Lambert are pretty solid out there and who's that third guy it looks like it could be Musa yeah like like you said he said after the game he prefers to be that that pivot point man whatever you want to call it and with his defensive position kind of changing from the two defensive mids and the one attacking mid you see Lambert is running box to box which he always did but you can see, you can drastically see how he is getting forward much more than he was prior to this slight formation change. I think it worked out for him, obviously. They, they beat a really good team, a team that was in awesome form. They beat him, I don't want to say pretty handedly, but a 3 1 goal uh, scoreline is always a good result. And they have kept doing it. You can see Lambert and with how big he is. That just gives you another option in the box along with John, who's, I think, 6'3". Yeah, and I think Baccaro, especially being the playmaker of the three, it's really important for him to have two guys. And Lambert's the more box-to-box guy. Moose's maybe a little bit more physical. And the two of them the two of them together to play off of Baccaro. And I understand Lambert's going to get forward just as much as Baccaro is. But for the playmaker to have those two types of guys around him at all times, I think is a really big help. I, I, I love the first goal for a lot of reasons. I think Junior Flemings is the danger man on this team uh, outside of Solomon Asante. And he showed it on the cross to John. But you just want a striker who can take half chances and turn them into goals. And, and that's exactly what that was. It was a very good ball into the box by Junior Flemings. And, and, and it put Adam John in, in a pretty okay situation. He made that maybe... look easy. That is not... Yes. To get it on target, one, and get it past the keeper, too. And the keeper... Um, 
just no, no chance on a on a shot like that. No, he's he's on the penalty spot and then about six yards to the right of it, and that's maybe a situation where he touches it down back to back to goal and he maybe passes to someone else. No, just one touches it around him, and that's an extremely difficult finish. And I'm not out here saying that Adam John is this world class finisher all of a sudden, but just having a striker in the middle that can. Once again, like I said, it's a half chance really that you're throwing in there, and he can he can capitalize on it. We've seen him in the air as well, and we know he he can do it well there as well. I I really liked what I saw out of him in this game, and just that's that's a huge huge component of this. Is it, the strength of this team has been on the wings, even with Jason Johnson out, and having that striker in the middle who can finish those crosses and just finish half chances like that. It's him getting this type of game too early early in the season to kind of set his flow for the rest of the season, I think it's going to pay off. And I know that coming into this season, obviously we lost Chris Cortez and Didier Drogba on the field. Those are two absolute main strikers, main forward men that had to be replaced. And you can tell with the acquisitions that they made, they wanted that big forward who can use his feet, that can use his head, can put his back to goal and, and play off of off of runners. And I think Adam John, especially with his MLS experience, is obviously a, a very good player and he has that ability. And to go back with Lambert moving up, you create right. And like yeah. you said, Piquero will find them and they'll find each other. And with Johnson being out for most of the season, like we discussed last episode, I think finding some other part of this team, whether it's defensively is what we've seen so far, but the midfield coming together, I mean, you don't need me to sit here and be like, soccer 101, the midfield is the most important, but they control the game, yada, yada. It's it's a huge thing, and that's why we're talking about it so much. But, Jake, we can't talk about Musa without highlighting the goal that he scored. Banger. Every midfielder slash defense, Defender gets a couple chances a season where they the corner goes out. They have some space to take a touch and rip, and my man took advantage of it and scored a, scored a worldie. It was beautiful. It's like Sean said back when he was playing. No defender's ever seen a shot they didn't like. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a beautiful quote that he had. But he sure. said he hadn't scored in two years after the game. And wow. if that's your goal, maybe it was worth two years. Who knows? I think it was. I personally think it was, especially if he's able to keep the form from that match. Uh, Nothing really else to add from there, but just what we talked about so much in the past couple of episodes to get a convincing win like that without some of your key players as well. Asante, again, we have to keep mentioning he did not he did not appear in that match. And it was correct. It was a big, big deal for them to get that win without who is undoubtedly uh, their best player. Moving on though uh, to not dollar beer night, so they lost. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking. I thought they might have because they did in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. But with it being the U.S. Open Cup, as I'm sure many of our listeners saw, it was a different setup with getting to the stadium and not being able to watch it on the normal CW and whatnot. So I think that might have been a reason why. U.S. Open Cup, uh, they take on New Mexico United, who they drew with earlier in the season. They drew again, technically, uh, 2-2, but they lost on a, in a penalty shootout uh, 4-3. As is the norm with cup matches, we saw a different look. We saw some players sitting out, some coming in. Waz got in there uh, in net, and then Baccaro actually got the uh, false nine roll in there. And Sean said after the game that he, he really liked what he saw um, out of the look, he, he it seemed like he what he envisioned given like midweek tie and things like that. He he liked what he saw. Yeah, and obviously when they come out with a brand new formation and and Baccaro's playing basically up top, but like you said, a false nine, and 
he was coming back deep at times. It was a little slow to start out. I think they were kind of feeling each other out as the teams. And you could tell, though, about a quarter of an hour, maybe 15 minutes in, Rising started taking over, so to speak. Although they had New Mexico had a couple good chances very early in the match. But I think it worked. You You really saw... Just the movement of the ball. And like you said, Solo didn't come in until late in the match. And it honestly, in my opinion, was a very unlucky match for Rising. The goal they allowed was, was top class. I mean, it was inches over Cochran's head, and then the ball went in the corner. There's really nothing you can do for that other than tip your cap. But for how they played for... 70, 80 minutes, and then they allow a goal at the end to go to extra time. They did a great job in responding. John had an absolute blast right past the keeper. and I'm not sure if it's pronounced Meitzel or Mitzel, but he might be the best keeper in USL. If you look at everything he's done throughout the year, what he did in their first match, what he had 11 saves in this cup match. And if you want to count the penalties, he had 13. Yeah, we, another theme of the season so far has just been these wonder saves. This was a wonder performance by the keeper. He was he man was of the match out, for me. He was just outstanding for sure. He had to be. And to to that John goal again. That's something we talked about a couple minutes ago. Is you get a striker on form a little bit, he gets a little bit of space there and just and it wasn't it. much space. No, just bolts it by him, and it, it was it was great. And then penalties. I mean, they're penalties. What can you do? Like you. Sean so. said it, it's a coin flip, literally. So, so me and you would uh, walk around the office geeking out saying, what if what if they draw Zlatan? What if they get to, through the U.S. Open Cup? That dream is dead for now. And they we had, will, I mean, it doesn't hope. really matter talking about it, but they had a favorable draw being able to host again. Mm-hmm. But, but next time. What if? Next time. We'll see. We'll see next. Speaking of that next match for Rising, it is against the Las Vegas Lights Football Club. Interesting layout for them uh, through 10 matches. They are 4-0-1 at home, 0-4-1 away. And the good news is, rising are home. So, looks good already from there. W- what have you seen uh, looking forward and previewing this? So, like my grandfather always says, and it's Italian saying, but it basically means the ball is round. It does not lean one way or the other. And I know we talk about stats a lot, and they are important to an extent, but just an example... I bet you couldn't guess who leads USL in total passes. Tacoma. I could not. So it doesn't necessarily mean and that... Tacoma's bad, just to re- reiterate <laughs> that. Tacoma's not good. So, yeah, it shows that necessarily having the ball a ton doesn't translate into goals. But looking into this next match, the team at Las Vegas is in good form of late, but that's because they've been playing a lot of matches at home. Like Kellen said... Their first point on the road came in their last road match, and that was against Galaxy 2. So their first four road games were all zeros. And another thing that's impressive about Las Vegas is they have five clean sheets on the year, which out of only playing 10 matches, half the time you don't allow a goal. But again, a lot of that is at home, although they were able to tie nil-nil against Galaxy 2. 4-2 win for them over Sacramento Republic two weeks ago, and then a 3-0 win over Colorado Springs, and then that draw. So results in three straight, including 
uh, two wins. We got a bit of a similarity here in terms of shots, number one and number two in the league. So expect a lot of that, the shooting. To a lot of commence. shots, maybe a lot of goals. I thought Wednesday night might have had a lot of goals, but I got proved wrong there. Any player in specific you are looking for? I think think two stand out for me. Adam John obviously has now scored in two straight and three goals in two games. So see if he can keep that run going. And then I think Solomon Asante is kind of due for a standout performance here. Obviously, he went through a bit of a family situation. Good to see him back and good to see him uh, come off uh, the bench in the cup tie. But it feels like uh, as the best player on this team, he is he is due for one of those performances. And those guys always deliver in that sense across any sport. And when they go through a couple weeks or so and the team does, they bounce back in a strong way. And I expect him to either in this match or very, very soon, assuming he starts, which we don't know yet, of course. Yeah, he actually got back from Ghana on Monday or Tuesday, I believe. So the fact that he was able to play that well for that 20 minutes he was in with basically jello legs, that just speaks to his skill. And I think he will start. If not, it'll definitely come in their next match. But a player that I was initially disappointed with was Aginaga. And that's because he was playing in the role that Bacaro plays. And I don't think he's as technically gifted. But when he drops back just a little bit defensively, he's actually been playing well in my opinion. I've, I've been impressed with what he's been able to do. Not having to be that number 10, but maybe having to be you know that, that number 8. So... We kind of don't know who's going to start because Shantz just loves every game. But that's what a team with this much depth is uh, able to do for you. Obviously, uh, JJ going down is not something that was wanted or foreseen. But it's kind of it's next man up. And pretty much across the board, they have a starter quality talent that's going to be up next. And what the parity across the league has done is stacked up the importance of every game, essentially, because Las Vegas could be the team that gets a playoff spot over Rising or vice versa, or it's somewhere in there, like playoff implications are already going to start to matter here. Uh, Lights, they have 14 points in 10 games, so do Rising, and there are, I believe, five other teams that share that with them. There's a total of, let me see here, do the quick counting, six teams. So there's actually four other teams, six teams that have 14 points right now. And at the top, it's Portland Timbers, two in New Mexico United with 18. They're only four points off and rising are in 11th right now in the standings, which again, we're going to keep talking about it, but the splitting is going to start to come. I see a couple of teams here in their recent form that have had three wins in their last five, and it's going to start to separate. It's not going to stay like this, and that's where they've got to start to get going, and they're coming off a win. Let's see if they can make it two in a row. And remember that USL playoffs this year changed to the top 10 make it. Eight will play 10. Excuse me. Seven will play 10. Eight will play nine. And that will be the seven and eight seed. So they don't have to necessarily finish in the top eight. Although I know for a fact the goal of the team and of all fans is going to be at least getting that top four. And I think last year's season especially showed what home field advantage can do in the playoffs Uh, not that the OC game was that evident but I was at the final against Louisville in Louisville and it was a completely different atmosphere in comparison to OC it was definitely a Louisville home match not that the team played poorly they lost on a on a bounce around goal one nil but I I think that they're starting to come into form Obviously, they keep getting unlucky with Solo having personal stuff, JJ getting hurt, but Caro is having troubles getting back into the States. 
So I don't want to say that they're going to be fine and everything's going to settle down because it just seems like life, so to speak, is happening to the team. But this is what we were looking for, at least. The, the last two matches yeah. that we talked about, emphatic win in league play and then in the cup, could have gone to either team, obviously with penalties. But in, in the match itself, given the circumstances, which midweek tie, new 11, we're trying our attacking midfielder in a false nine role, essentially. And, and it went it went fairly well, and I'm looking for that momentum to really continue in this match. We'll be back next week to talk about that match and more Phoenix Rising Football Club content here on the podcast make sure you subscribe and all that good stuff we will talk to you next week peace